0: Welcome to The Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me is Producer Daniel for this episode. We're doing kind of a a special little series here, Daniel, that I'll let you set up, but I'm excited to to be chatting with you this lovely evening and to have you and your voice and all of your hair that's not in your head but in your beard on the show. Uh, So it's the elusive Producer Daniel show, and I'm excited
1: about it. It's uh, the more and more less elusive, I think, is how it's going. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Good to see you. Um, actually, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to start this series because it was something we had talked about a long time ago, and life, et cetera, gets in the way. Um, so before we got any further, or specifically before you got any further, um, I wanted to sit down with you and discuss the path that you're on um In scuba diving um, there's the the overview there's the big picture path, and then there's a the smaller path um, that that you're on um, and I won't give any details until you're ready to to start with the story, but um, before we got too far down that road, um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of take two steps back, talk about where you're coming from up to where you are right now which is very different than almost cursed almost a year ago i was um, a year ago this time i would say it was a very different diver so um with that uh i would like to hear what's going on with you man
0: <laughs> yeah that's good So, yeah so so yeah man when we first met a long time ago Well, we won't talk uh-huh. about that story we won't talk about that th- where you Long lost me ago. in my open water class? You remember that? Wow, oh, what? Was a DM no. yeah, that
1: was, that was, that was a test, and you passed.
0: <laughs> so that was DM Daniel, not Actually, producer Daniel.
1: The test was, the test was the conversation you had after you came to the surface.
0: Oh man, that was not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't go down that story. But that, nah. I got yelled at by the course director, and a, a brand new open water diver. I have no idea. I thought I did everything right in terms of searching for a minute and surfacing. And, yeah. and I got well, lit into so. it were
1: opinions on, on how that should have gone down. But
0: yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's, it's an interesting story because we, we, we don't have to bag on anybody to tell a story. What's interesting is brand new open water diver. Cause I remember it clearly. And, and I remember in the course that they drove home, like, you know, safe divers take your safety stop. like, was driven home, right, and that you follow your computer. Those are two things. So I had this weird moment where I searched for a minute in one direction because we I'd lost you and the other teammate in in a right. in a nice you know, kick up of silt in my face, and um, and so I, I looked at my watch. I searched for a minute, and then I was stuck in this conundrum when I got to whatever fifteen feet, which was do I take a safety stop or do I not? And my computer's saying, take a safety stop. And in my head, I'm hearing this replay of safe divers do a safety stop. And so I decided to do the safety stop thinking I need to be a safe diver. So, so that added whatever, three minutes to my, yeah. to my thing. And then I surfaced. So it was a total of four minutes or whatever it was, four, five minutes however whatever real time was in that. So yeah, by, by definition, I was not on the surface in a minute which was fine. But that, that was totally unclear to me. You know, it wasn't explained to me. It was search for a minute and then come to the surface. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I, I would say, um, potentially some confusion on what the priority is at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, at that point you are the lost diver and yeah. you are fine. We just don't know you're fine. Yeah. Um, and so, it's your responsibility to let us know you're fine Yeah. without, but also in theory, sacrificing health.
0: Yeah, I know, I know it, it was a weird one.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. So it was in retrospect. Now looking back, I can see both sides of that equation really clearly.
1: I can, I totally understand um, why that person was the way they were. Yeah. Like it, I, I, I totally get that, but I got that at the time. Yeah. This isn't nothing new to me. Like I, I, I think, uh, I, I feel like that person has probably experienced some things similar, and I was a little surprised at the reaction. So.
0: Yeah, so all the way from there to, yeah. to now, <laughs> which is the funny part, uh, right? And and um, and I, and I think it's a it's a great cautionary tale. Like the hey, instructors out there, if you're teaching an open water class, that's a good thing to cover because. Simply saying search for a minute and then go to the surface doesn't account for the complexity of, I think it was dive three in open water. It was the deepest I had been, which I think was like 60 feet, which was, you know, a big deal at the time. And you just, there's so many things going through your head that you're not sure how to react. So I reacted in the best way I thought. And then, yeah, I got crushed for it. So that was, that was not a great experience, but from there. Um, yeah, is it the tiniest little, uh, you your head. Yeah, 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 basically, but yeah, to, to kind of go from there, that wasn't the plan to talk about that, but, but why not yeah. to where I am now is, is quite interesting, but I think specifically
1: now you do the yelling. No, I'm just kidding. Now
0: just I'll kidding. do the yelling. Yeah, exactly. Now I do the yelling. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think specifically for me in my journey as a diver from that open water class, and I'm glad I continued to going and I kind of set myself out in my first hundred dives or so and just experiencing different things. Like I want to go and see what these reefs are all about. I want to go and try, you know, this type of diving, scientific diving. I want to try cameras and blah, blah, blah. I I didn't know what I wanted, so I tried a bunch of different things and planned some trips that would have multiple types of diving in one single trip. And for me, the trip that really stood out to me, you know, however many years ago it was, you know, two or three years ago, two years ago was my first time in a cenote. It was like, uh, yeah. oh, and I, I remember it so clearly. It was in, in Dos Ojos, which it means two eyes. Um, I was on what what's called now or what's been called the Barbie line, which is it's funny because at the end of yeah. that line is actually a Barbie doll oh, yeah. and, a, and a gator. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of funny. I remember getting to go in there and, you know, guided dive. I'm not a cavern or cave or anything like that. But at the end of that dive was this little swim through, you know, that technically was overhead, um, but didn't seem like it to me, but it felt like I was in an overhead environment. You're kind of enclosed big, big, open, open area to swim through. To the next. it was probably, you know, I don't know. 25 yards 20 yards if not less and it just that environment lit me up it was like yes this is the environment that i want to be in that really really lights me up for whatever reason wet rocks underwater was it for me
1: (laughs) wet rocks wet
0: rocks lots of wet rocks so that set me on a journey to say look the where where I want to go as a diver is I want to learn how to be in this environment which means I I need to become a cave diver. And at the time, you know, the the idea of being a cave diver was like trying to become a black belt ninja. You know, <laughs> it was so far from where I was in that moment, but okay. I, that really lit me up and and want, I wanted to do that. So coming full circle to that journey and that path of improvement and personal skills development, team skills development, all the things that I've been working on. I just last week or two weeks ago finished um, my first really, I don't want to say it's my first step, but my first, I would say official step in that direction, which is completing uh, what's called overhead protocols inside of the agency that I train with, um, which is really the the foundation for then cave one and cave two, which is next. And so that, I think we wanted to talk about that and talk about that journey up into this point and, and how, how overhead protocols went and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, so who, uh, who was your instructor?
0: Yeah. So I, I've had a, um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, literally it's been two and a half weeks straight. And this is my first kind of day back from all of that where uh, I took some time off of real work um to focus on scuba work and I we had uh four back-to-back courses. So some of these I was teaching, some of these I was assisting, and the first one of these I was a student in. And so um Ben Boss, who's the training director at UTD scuba diving, uh flew across from Denmark. Um he's from Holland, but he lives in Denmark. He he uh it's a funny story that he told I think on the podcast that we had with him. Um, so he flew across and stayed with me for two and a half weeks here, here at our house. And we hubbed out of my um, garage slash shop. So I've turned it all into a shop now. And it is my garage, but it's my shop. It's my scuba shop dedicated to that. And uh, we hubbed out of there. And so he flew in. And I, you know, a lot of people talk about it's the instructor. But that's true in, in a lot of regards. I think agency has something to do with it too, because they're you know the the way that they approach training, um, and the the sequence of, so sequencing of that training is important. But for me, Ben also ran my tech tech one class, um, and I just knew this is a guy I can learn from. Um, he's done some incredible dives. The stories that he can tell are are just phenomenal, and. He had a way, uh, I just really enjoyed the way that he instructed and, and I learned a ton from him in that tech combo class that I took uh, last year after Dima. And so I knew when I go into the caves, I wanted him to be my instructor. Uh, I want to learn from him.
1: We had him on the podcast. I think it was episode four, right? Yeah. And he's
0: coming back to do two more, yeah. which I'm excited yeah. about. So, yeah. um, but we've, we've just had some scheduling issues to get him back on the show but, uh, but yeah, he, he's an incredible instructor, the way that he uh, explains things and relates things. And, and it's just a bastion of knowledge, um, you know, and depth to, you know, for me, I want to know why. And I'm never, I'm never satisfied with, well, that's just the way you do it. Or that's how I learned it from so-and-so.
1: Or we've always done it that way.
0: Or we've always done it that way. Yeah. Th- those, those answers just don't fly with me. Um, and I I really want to understand the why behind things and uh, Ben being in the position that he's in and the dives that he's done and and who he's worked with, I mean, um, and who he's learned from everything down to, you know, the, the why, for example, you know, we typically cut the little dangly that is on your wings uh, deflate a rear deflate. So, um, right on that valve and tie two knots and we train finding the, the actual valve itself and then basically pinching. And then you're going to have that string and the why behind that, you know, seems like, Oh, we don't want danglies, but that's not the case. The why the ultimate why behind that is those danglies will can get trapped in that hip D ring right there. And then when you go to actually Dump gas, right? You can't stuck. it's stuck. stuck right? um, and it causes all sorts of havoc. The crazy part is that was you know explained as to why. I mean, every little thing has a why behind it, and it, and it comes back down to either safety and and the lessons that have been learned, or it comes down to configuring things for easing the team's burden in, in the dive when there's an emergency or something like that and ben came back he's oh, i got sh- i got a video to show you and he showed me a a video of him doing a ccr1 class with the diver and that exact thing happened he got it on video where where that hmm. dongle is trapped and is making it impossible to dump gas in that moment because he can't get it loose of of the things that are clipped off of that d ring so kind of interesting
1: that is interesting i would never have I would never have thought about that um So that's kind of big picture. Let's narrow it down a little bit. Um, talk about the training itself. Um, because you've, you've had similar training to that before. So how is this different?
0: Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, I think within, (laughs) you're so good at this. Uh, you done this before. Uh, yeah. So, so overhead protocols, um, the the prerequisites within the UTD are unified team diving standards and procedures. Um, I think you have to, you know, have, I think something like 75 dives somewhere around there. So, you know, you, you've gotten the water a little bit, but then I think the prereqs here are essentials, which is UTDs version of, of what other people call fundies. Um, But essentials is really a personal skills,
1: That'd
0: be view fundamentals uh, fun, yeah fundamentals yeah. um it's really looking at the the you know balanced rig or, or proper weighting um looking at propulsion so the five different ways or or techniques for propulsion it's looking at you know personal buoyancy breathing for buoyancy skills and it's looking at you know your other skills. So five minute sense and shooting an SMB procedures for that, all those things and a basic six and all these things are, are taxing like SMB basic six are taxing on your buoyancy and trim, right? So, you know, you're task loading a procedure of shooting an SMB, but it's really testing not whether or not, you know, the procedure, but it's testing that buoyancy balance trim while you're task loaded. And so it's a personal skills. And my essentials class was a little bit more than that. Um, you know, it was it was also uh it was old school instructor um who I love to death. Uh and and he gave it to us because we, you know, we we needed more than just a personal skills class. Mm-hmm. And so we we got um we got the heat turned up in my personal one. But uh essentials is that and, and then the other thing that I think kind of gets into the mix of prerequisites is you know, doubles. So being able to understand the the configuration of a set, of, a twin set or a set of doubles, um, understanding how to react to failures on those doubles, um, right? The plumbing that's happening behind your back, all of those things. So those are really the prerequisites that exist for this course. For me, my path was, you know, I went through essentials. I went through a full IDC uh, and became a dive master first with UTD and uh, I went through tech creational and tech one uh, on a big course. I did side mount, um, you know, technical side mount training on that as well. So side mount doubles. And, um, and then from there um, was presented with this opportunity. And, and the cool part about all this is, you know, my 2023, as you and I have talked about a lot, and I think I've talked about on the podcast, my whole plan for 2023 was I was moving. And I was going to move and get established. That was it. Like move and and get my own personal diving established. And I was going to push cave diving and all those other things that I want to do out to 2024 because I just felt like I don't have the bandwidth to try and plan these things and and figure it all out. How's and, that going? Yeah. yeah. So I, I <laughs> I've mentioned this on um on another podcast I think we did with Sarah. Like my strategy for dive travel. Often is, uh, I, I call it the, the coat tailor. <laughs> like, oh, you're going on that trip? Oh, hey, can yeah. I come along? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, or, or hey, you know, I get called and hey, do you want to come on this trip? Yeah, you've already, how much does it cost? This, okay. You've already got all the logistics. I got to book a flight and show up. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. there. So this was kind of the same thing where it was, I mentioned it to Ben. Ben was coming out here. We had multiple things going on. And I said, hey, well, this is already happening. What do you think about adding OHP to this? And he's like, that's a fantastic idea. And then one of my really good friends who we'll have on the the show uh, in the next few weeks, I think in four weeks or so, um, Kevin Wood uh, had a clearing in his schedule to come out. So he came and stayed as well. And we did OHP together. And then we have the plan for doing Cave 1 and Cave 2, which is a a combo class um, in Florida after DEMA. So we're going to go from DEMA is in Louisiana this year. We go from Dima, drive ourselves down to to Florida, and then do Cave One and Cave Two, um, there in Florida and, with Ben.
1: And Kevin Kevin Wood has a pretty boring day job, right?
0: Yeah, he does. He uh, yeah. he he gets to sit in the cockpit of a B, fifty two, and yeah. uh and and train others how to how to fly that thing. So pretty boring. I, mean, I love to see pictures that he sends me of uh. You of take off, fly, you land. Like what? Yeah, although I did find out that the B fifty two does not have a restroom on board, so there's that.
1: Interesting, <laughs> isn't that what the bay doors are for? Yeah, it's a, a,
0: It's it's got to be a be a you know pilot's p valve, I think. Uh, I was going to say, somehow.
1: those don't they have pressurized suits? Just
0: yeah, basically, I th- I think P is not the issue, and we'll leave it at that. No,
1: oh, no, I. I'm... <laughs> Different kind of bombs we're talking about, yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: you know, so so yeah, (laughs) different kind of. (laughs) Yeah, we can. We'll we'll ask Kevin about that when he goes on the show. So anyway, so for me, uh, (laughs) the fact that this was even a possibility was was pretty awesome. But I know you you asked about course, so I can explain the course. But I want to kind of set it up with how excited I was that this is even in the in the mix for 2023 and. If things all go well um, and I'm able to perform well, then I will be a full cave diver. on my full cave card uh, in November, which is pretty exciting.
1: I mean, not, that's not no. hey, yeah, so um, thumb the dive. Are you willing to uh, humble yourself a little bit? Oh yeah, uh,
0: absolutely, okay. always.
1: So um, I was just talking about a book I read earlier, and the case studies in that book. Um, that's that's my favorite part and it's probably a lot of people's favorite parts. So if you had a book full of case studies, it would probably be boring, but they're spaced out just enough at the end of each chapter. But um, so not that you're a case study, but uh, if you could maybe, I don't know, let us know when there was a time when you're like, well, that didn't go well, or I should have done this and I should have done that, or, you know, not that you were surprised you passed, but something along the training that maybe you hadn't been taught yet just didn't go quite the right way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to set this up, um, because it's pretty funny, is the, the way that overhead protocols takes place, this course particularly, is in open water. So we're not actually in an overhead environment. And the goal of this course, it's a prerequisite to either wreck penetration or cave diving is really to to teach us the protocols for that type of diving in an open water, quote-unquote, safe environment where we can surface in 20 feet of water, surface, talk about it, go back down. So essentially the setup here is that a cave, quote-unquote, gets built. So a line is run, a main line is run in open water. And we are learning the protocols for following that main line to making jumps, to marking, you know, those jumps to, um, you know, setting a, just even getting into the cave, right. You, you tie, you take a reel and you tie a, a primary tie off and you do a secondary tie off and there's depths and requirements that we want for that, that are ideal. And so it's, it's learning how to deal with all that to, to read the navigation of a cave or to lay line in a wreck. Right, the the number one rule in cave d- diving is a continuous line to the surface. Right, your continuous line to the surface, a path back to the surface. So we're planning it from from the exit. And so there's a lot, you know, that you're learning in in how to read. You know, what do you what what do opposing arrows mean, for example? How do we mark our exit side? Right? How do we tie into the main line? So there's th- these sorts of things that are happening, right? And it's cool because it's all happening in open water. And so we, have a, we can get a ton done in a day. Um, of, of course, the course is four or five days, but we can get a ton done over the course of a day because we're not diving down inside of the cave and trying to figure this stuff out. We're, we're doing it right there in open water. And then you're also learning how to deal with failures. So everything from you know, a valve bubbles on the back of your, on your back Uh, And how do you respond to that as a team? How do you reposition um, to, you know, a lost diver or lost teammate? How do you actually deal with that? What are some protocols there? And to get to your humbling, humble pie here, one of those failures is what's called a lost line drill or what happens if you lose the line in a no visibility situation. So set the scene a little bit here. We're in open water in San Diego, which in our case, we went to this awesome dive site called Marine Room, which is in La Jolla. And the the weird part about it all was that there was surge. So you're dealing with surge, which you wouldn't be dealing with in a cave environment, right? I mean, maybe some flow, but you're definitely not going to probably deal with surge unless you're in an ocean cave. And even then, you know, it's not going to be like an open water surge. So the surge would pick up. Of course, at the most inopportune times. And you just have to learn when you're diving in surge, as a lot of people that dive in surge know, like, yes, it's gonna blow you, you know, 10 feet that way, but then a minute later it's gonna bring you right back. So yeah. just chill out, <laughs> let it do its thing, and then continue. But it makes following the line kind of hard, <laughs> right? And and all these sorts of things. So it was, it was a good challenge, something that, um, that we had a lot of fun with for, for all the times that we were, were diving there. But in this particular instance, a lost line drill, the, the protocol for that is simply, you know, get, get to the bottom, essentially find something to ground on and you take out your safety spool and you find something to tie off to. And in our case, you tie off that primary tie and you try to find a secondary tie. So that way you have directional view in your search. So you can have a line and then from that line, you can say, okay, I'm going to search this way. And literally it's just kind of roll the spool out a little bit, search with your hand, roll it out a little bit more, search with your hand. Right. And go as, go as far as you think, okay, this is not going anywhere and then roll it back up. And now you have directional Okay, search that way. I'll search the other way. Right. So on and so forth until in a lot of ways you get lucky, uh, you know, and unfortunately that's, that's the, there's no protocol for, you know, I can't see, and you'll find the line this way. You have to search for it. Right. So to to do these drills, um, we then get put into a blackout mask. So uh, we I was going to ask you about that effect. actually. Yeah. yeah. So no visibility. So literally, we we get. You know, it's always fun to see your instructor pull out the mask and go, "Hey, here's the here it is," and you're like, "Oh man, here we go." I so was hoping
1: he, you were going to forget this part.
0: Yeah. He That's asked true. you. You know, here you go. Put the mask on. So you put it on and then when we're ready, you pull it over and then all of a sudden it's all black. I mean, you really can't see anything. Um, and, and for me, like I'm sure some people might cheat and have a little, you know, I want I want it blacked out because I want to know what this would feel like. And so to to add a little bit more to the mix, um, then we kind of get disoriented. So we get spun around uh, so we don't, you know, we're disoriented like it. I mean, you wouldn't probably get completely spun around in a cave like this, but it's disorienting when the lights go out. So it gets spun around, (laughs) flipped upside down or whatever, and then bam, the drill starts. So boom, okay. I have no idea where I am, right? I have no idea, I'm no sense of what's, you know, left, right around me, no sense of what's up and down because I breathe myself down to the bottom and go, okay. Yeah. And so I start searching. And in this instance, there just wasn't great, anything to grab onto that I felt like I could tie off to. And so I'm searching, 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 searching. And of course, as soon as this kind of starts, the search picks up like crazy. knew it, yeah. So boom, I find something. I found something finally on a rock. I'm like, yes, this is it. And then boom, I'm blown 20 feet that way. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I hope I come back 20 feet the same way and boom, I come back. Oh, it's not there anymore. Great. So I'm looking, 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 and I have to admit, like in those moments, even though I know I'm in 20 feet, like logically I know I'm in 20 feet of water, I'm in a blackout mask. You're, everything's fine. My instructor's right there and knows where I am. But you still but, feel that like panic yeah. a little bit that that rises up. Like I don't know where I am. I can't see. This surge is crazy because I really have no idea. Like where i am and i can't get this tie off to happen like i just can't find something to tie off on and so this goes on what felt like an hour to me it's it's probably three minutes four minutes when you look at the video but it felt like an hour and i had a few of those moments where it was just like okay stop and breathe like stop and breathe like that panic was i wouldn't say i'm panicked but that feeling was setting in of just like you know this is tough and so finally I found a, you know, I tried a few different times to tie off on something and get blown off of it or my tie off, you know, just wouldn't, it wouldn't sit in in the spot that I thought was working. Finally, I found, I don't know, something that was bigger, like <laughs> big, big rock. It felt like, and I just held on, <laughs> I held onto it and it blew me this way and it blew me that way. And I'm just, you know, working with my safety spool and got that thing wrapped around that rock, you know, the big old rock rolled it around tied it off finally and then i went searching for the secondary tie off and found something and just able to wrap it real quick around there before the surge blew me and then i go off on my search uh, no 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 no. and then i get tapped like okay you're out i never found the line Okay, and so it felt like i failed you know I, i never found the line whereas my teammate had found the line in his trill and we look back at the video in the video review after all this. And again, it felt How close like were you? the line was I, oh. like, if, if you're looking at me right now on the video, or, or if you're at home listening to, or in the car listening to the radio, imagine the big rock. Um, and I went right when I went to go look, I don't know why, but that's where I went. The line was actually tied to the big rock directly Stop. to my left <laughs> so if i had just like even held on to the rock and done a little search with my left i would have found the line uh, oh. but i went way off in the wrong direction which is again in a no situation how in the world would you know you know because yeah. you're disoriented but so that that one it, it taught me it had been a minute since i'd been in a situation where it felt like i i don't I don't have, it's not that I didn't have control, is that I am not in control of the situation. I'm disoriented, I can't see, don't know where the line is, and I can't tie off. And it felt like usually you could force yourself into like, you know, a situation like, fine, like breathe out, whatever. So feeling that brought back that feeling of saying, okay, when all this stuff happens, remember the primal thing is to breathe and and stop and it's okay that you're feeling this but breathe and there's a, yeah
1: yeah there's a, a couple things going on there right so there's the humility of it all right if you are one uh, who thinks they know more than they do um maybe ego is a little bit bigger and then the water is the great equalizer right and if um you know if there would probably be some people out there who would look back at that video, see that the line was tied off on the left and say, Oh, well, that was dumb. Not that they went right instead of left, but why is the line tied off on the left or not blaming or taking responsibility for themselves? And, you know, how many times has ego <clears throat> or complacency, you know, not to bring it down a notch, but how many times has that killed the diver? Right. Yeah. Because they, They didn't have the proper training going into a scenario that they shouldn't have been in, or they didn't have the complete training, or they just thought everything was fine. They didn't need to do double checks, triple checks, redundancies, any of that. Um, So I I think it's just healthy. Any time we're in a situation where we're, we're in that situation to learn in the first place, and if we get it right the first time, we're not learning anything.
0: Yeah.
1: So with the failures comes the learning and it always helps to have that that humble pie every once in a while
0: yeah and i mean i think on top of that i think putting yourselves yourself in that situation in a safe environment right so experiencing these things in a safe environment gives you then a reference point when this might happen for you hope to god it never happens Right. right and and you do everything in your training to make sure that you don't end up in that situation, right? Uh, in, a, in a complete lost line, no vis situation. Right. But when it happens, my brain and my body have a reference point to refer to. Even as you know, far back as whatever this happens five years from now, there's still some experience that I'm carrying with me because I've trained it and will continue to train it. This is not over. Cave one, cave two, we do the same thing um, in, in the environment. At that point, so I mean, I can't I can't stress enough that for me, when you have experiences or experiential training, that that you know one of the rules that I love at UTD is that there are no training dives; all dives are real dives because we're diving, and it's that's something that's unique about scuba diving in general, is that you know when there is no simulator. So if you're learning to fly a plane, you can get in a simulator and crash it 50 times, which is exactly what I'll do when I get in Kevin's B-52 simulator at some point, because um, he said I could do that.
1: When does that happen, because I will be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I'm gonna crash the plane, but so what, yeah. right? At that point, I'm not in the yeah. environment. If you're learning to skydive, you don't start by jumping out of a plane by yourself, right? You go in yeah. tandem. You're, you know, now there's indoor skydiving. Teach you a lot of the stuff, right? There's all these things. Almost everything else that you train, there's there's a way to simulate that because it's all on the land. But gotcha. well, when we do diving, by the nature of diving, we are in the environment. We are under the water. Even if it's ten feet of water, we're under the water. And so again, the 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 value of experience. And there's twofold experiences. One, it happened. To me not during training, <laughs> It's one experience. Um, and then another experience, it happened to me on purpose during training, and it gives me a reference point. and that's the thing that for me I value so much is that um, you know, it's not theoretical and it wasn't you know me sitting showing off skills on a line. It's me in the environment as close to what it's going to be <laughs> minus the surge than building experiential knowledge and reaction to that situation. And I think when it comes to scuba training, there there is a lot of sit on a line and show me a skill. And that skill doesn't correlate to the real diving because it's simply happening on the line rather than in the actual situation you'd be in. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about the training that I've received is that that training is happening in the context of really diving. And and the instructors are then using the little mistakes that you're making as a team or as a diver and showing the logical conclusion of those things. For a, a stupid example of this, not stupid, but a good example of this is, you know, a teammate of mine was running a really loose line. And if you've ever seen, you know, a spool under the water and line takes on a life of its own underwater, yeah. right? It just, yeah. it is. So if you run a really loose line as the the lead diver or as the, the captain who has the reel, you've got two divers behind you who are dealing with that loose line. And if you get a little too close to it, right, the line has a tendency to do its own thing. Yeah. And sure enough, I got a little too close in one of my courses and, and it started to kind of look like it was going to go around my fin. And the instructor used that. It went around my fin. I got stuck, right, in that moment. And off go my other two teammates <laughs> down the line, still lining, running their line. And there I am. And he filmed my reaction, their reaction, see what would happen. And, you know, the protocol there is try to free yourself once. And if you can't do it, stay put. <laughs> You know, and my initial reaction was like, "Okay, I tried to free myself, and now I'm sitting here, and I know I've got enough gas to sit here infinitely, almost for them to come yeah. back." But that panic kicks in, and I had the I had the want to what? cut the line,
1: so cut you, me out of line. Yeah. You caverned at that point, or
0: no? This was just uh, tech one or tech creational. Oh. Um, okay, actually, I think that was essentials that happened in, I don't remember exactly which course, but the idea here is that we're running a line, you know, to get back to the exit point on thirds, like you would off an anchor line, if, if, yeah. you know, current's really strong or something like that.
1: Yeah. I've lifted enough, uh, pumps and you go down with enough rope that if it's not, if you don't have control of that rope, it's just, and then, and then you can't just go, oh, let me just grab it and coil up because then (laughs) it it will get you it'll it'll take you um the other thing was uh i think and i've listened to enough podcasts on any kind of training um that the harder you train or um maybe not the harder you train but the more variables you have in your training then when a, something actually happens, it's not as difficult or you've been there before or so the surge in your training, you're never likely to come across that when you're not, at least not in that intensity in in a cave necessarily. No. So that was sort of an element that if you can do it with that surge, just remember to go left, not right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, then, you know, you'll, you should, should be easier. Should be when you actually come across that type of situation
0: yeah i mean again it's i don't think the attempt was to make it artificially harder it just that was the logistics of how things worked out you know um and and you deal with with it as you want to deal with it um and i'm I'm still learning san diego in terms of where to dive so you know find us a 20 foot clear water and calm water spot i mean didn't exist (laughs) (laughs) I tried, uh, you know, and and, uh, I mean, we had to do all kinds of interesting things to to build the cave out uh, with lots of sandy bottom areas that that don't have places to tie off. Uh, So so it was a challenge in that regard, because I just don't know the area well enough to to say here. I got to know it over the course of two weeks. We dove in a lot of different locations and checked them out for training, um, you know, dive sites. But yeah, I mean, again, I think. I think the value of experience gets seated. I mean, I kind of think of it as like um, maybe a good analogy here is the flu shot, right? In the sense that you're you're giving. I mean, you know, not to go into the science behind flu shots, but essentially you're giving a uh, or does make a stand? Because I know there's a whole anti Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Not, that's not what i'm saying i'm just talking about the the analogy right, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're, you took a
1: left instead of a right you're supposed to go yeah, yeah. exactly
0: yeah. You're, you're giving a, the disease whatever it is right right let's just right. use the flu because it's a, right. a live virus in, in a way to then train your body your immune system to be able to fight that <laughs> so that the, you know that's the 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 science behind That whether it be COVID or flu or whatever things that people want to wherever you stand on vaccinations the the science behind it is you give a little bit to train your body and immune system how to fight it and that's prevents you from getting more sick is the is the logic there the scientific logic right so in training within a real dive and not on a line demonstrating skills. That gives you some of that same live virus, quote unquote, in a safe environment within the context of your instructor. And and again, in this case, in 20 feet of water, not actually in a cave buried somewhere deep, Um, not deep in a cave, but, you know, deep. If you're in Florida, most of the caves are deep or whatever. We're in a very safe environment. It gives you that immune response to the problems or the failures that may arise or the things that you might face. Now it's not to say that then we don't go into the cave and actually do these things there. That's what cave one and cave two is about. But in the introduction to it in overhead protocols, or for example, when we're doing a, a tech one dive, I mean, Greg and I told this story on the last podcast about, you know, um, you know, the the deco bottle getting stolen from Greg because Greg and oh, I yeah. thought we were smarter than our instructor yeah. and we weren't <laughs> and um but that's a real situation those things can can come off for lot it's he'd a lot ego.
1: he'd make a great pickpocket i think
0: oh i think so i, I think that's yeah. where he learned i mean it.
1: assuming he's not already but. yeah
0: I have, to, I have to check my uh my safe <laughs> here since he stayed with me right. for two weeks check <laughs> <your> <laughs> <I'm> kidding, <watches. laughs>
1: check for all my watches
0: <laughs> yeah but uh you know that that's a situation that then we dealt with it it was like oh you don't have a deco bottle at first it was jarring and then after we dealt with it it was funny because you're kind of like geez yeah he got us good on that one but now i know if i (laughs) one to observe the full diver before you call a deco stop and make sure they have a bottle because we could have caught it a lot earlier but then two i have experience in saying if this ever happened in real life how do we react to it it's the same thing you know in now over or you know in a lost line how you react to it. I mean, well, hopefully the surge isn't throwing you everywhere, but eventually I figured it out. Eventually I figured out how to top. And if I had another five minutes, I probably would have found the line. Right. And, sure. and you just cut, cut the drill because I got the point. Right. So again, the the value of real experiences in a safe environment is a lot like giving a little bit of the virus in a safe dose. So that your immune response, or in this case, your your emergency response to dealing with those things, um, you know, our bodies know what to do because they've seen it before. Same thing becomes true in your scuba training. Our bodies and our minds, that's so something that we don't really use when we're fighting a disease is we can't, well, again, we're going to get into the whole thing, but, you know, we, we well, don't I mean, fight the can, disease with our mind,
1: positive things. Remain positive and it yeah. certainly help it. Um but then you have uh you'll have the the mechanical um if that's the right term. If something goes wrong, like if you say, all right, this is going wrong, here's the mechanical um process in which to fix it. But then there's a variable that could be added into that, like a silt out. So you've got a problem, you've got an air problem, a gas problem, but now you're in a complete silt out. So you know how to fix it if you could see it, but now you can't see it. So Again, the harder you train or, and again, I don't think that's the right word, but the more you train, the more difficult the training, when something happens, then you're just better prepared to deal with it.
0: Yeah. And I Uh, think one of the things to that point is, is that there are, at least I've learned there are protocol divers that will react or you can become, let me put it this way. You can become a protocol diver which is a rote response to a problem, if that makes sense. So yeah, sure. you, you have a protocol to solve the problem, and that's it. And I, one of the things, again, I appreciate in the training I've received is the goal is not the protocol. The goal is, is the thinking diver and the thinking team. Yeah. And so the reaction then becomes about the brain and how we're processing this together than it than it does the protocol, and one of the things that I appreciated in in some of the training I got was, look like the, there isn't a wrong way to solve the problem. If you get out, there are simply more efficient ways that we can solve problems. Yeah. So if you decide to do a a gas share on a fixable right post and exit the dive, okay, you got out. You planned for it in your gas plan. Great, but. More efficient would be: Why don't you just fix the right post? Like <laughs> do a screw yeah. in the first stage, and you could have continued your dive. And instead, you spend all that money or whatever effort to get down there.
1: That lends itself to the control of the emotions and the panic. And um, you know, if you have enough people, then I would imagine the dynamic is is able to, depending on each one's responsibility, is able to. Solve that problem, right? But if you if you're diving with a single buddy, um, and you know maybe you've dived with this person for years or just a lot of dives, but you've never had a problem. You've never come across a situation that required um, some nuance to your problem solving. And then you know you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And then that could be it could be the equivalent of sharing gas and going to the surface. So the equivalent could be bolting to the surface because yeah. that's just where my brain goes, I'm just going to go because I know there's air. My body will be okay or whatever the case may be. So the training, um, it's, and it's hard to train in that situation if you don't have the right, I guess, structure, the right infrastructure for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think if you asked every scuba diver a yes or no question regarding training just to make up a question. It'll probably, you'll probably get the same answer because no scuba diver should ever be like, I'm good. I mean, I'm good. If I, if I dive within this environment, then I don't need any more training. Well, that's not entirely accurate. You know, you should always be, I mean, every dive is a training dive, but if you're diving at 30 feet and going south for 2000 kicks and coming back, it's like, you know, what, what's going to happen? Who are you diving with? The environment might be the same, but, you know, maybe you had, uh, I don't know, maybe you had a couple of drinks last night and it's going to affect your reaction on this dive. And then, anyway, a million different um, scenarios there, but I think training is key no matter what.
0: Yeah. And, and I think being open to, you know, looking at it more as a continuation rather than a
1: a checklist in the sense a, that like. It's a lifestyle, not a diet.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because I mean, look, I, I mean, for me, I've, I've trained technical diving. I've done technical diving. I know how to react to a failure on my twin set. But even I need to be put in that situation because I can take 100 dives on my twin set and nothing goes wrong. Right. And then I get back into training, right? And boom, you go, oh, yeah. Is it right or left? What, what, what do I need to do? And although I know what to do, I haven't done it in 100 dives because I haven't had that that reality. Like when, when there's a failure in, in tech, you know, it, or even in, in the silverware protocols, there's a you know, instructor brings down the air gun and you don't see it coming. And all of a sudden, psh, you hear the bubbles, exactly how it would be. Um, and, and again, you, you can do as many valve drills as you want and think through those things. But then when the bubbles come, which is something you don't want to go and simulate yourself like let's right. break the manifold to, just so I can make sure I'm trained on this. So it's so it's a continuation. It's not like check I know how what to do if I hear bubbles on my right side. It's continuing to train those things on an ongoing basis and to put yourself in those situations. Yeah. And yeah, it might be as routine now for me to which is not I'm not saying that, but it might be as routine now for me to to deal with a manifold failure as it would be for me to deploy a, a backup light, for example. Um, but it's still something I should be doing in part of the training. And some of that stuff, you, you just, I can i can simulate a light failure all day long and deploy a backup light and deploy a second one. Um, and that's easy enough to do. But but simulating bubbles coming out uh, of, of which side and making a guess, it's a little harder for for that. And so I look at it as you know, no matter where where you are in your diving or wherever I am in my diving, wherever I think I am, it kind of comes back to the the immutable truth of scuba diving is as soon as you feel like you're on the high horse, get ready yeah. for the fall. And that's that's a lifestyle choice to continue to put yourself in the situation to feel the fall and not not get I think Gareth Locke talks about uh, I, don't, I don't know if he talks about it in the same way, but the the idea being risk homeostasis where yeah, you do the same 30 foot, 60 foot dive. Yeah. Or man, if you're a tech diver, you do the same, you know, 200 foot dip on the same boat uh, every month and it gets comfortable to the point where you you are normalizing the risky things that you might be doing. When you change the environment or you change the conditions or you change the visibility, which are part of the conditions, so on and so forth. Now you're dealing with something that... that Presents a different risk, and it's not just the dip in Lake Travis and swim. You know, say hi to Jim the Rock and Fran the Rock and the other rock that you know. You know, you want to be able to train for those situations that that again, we're we're in the wild, and that's the thing. With- it,
1: I feel like it's it seems odd that if you do the same dive for a year, once a week, in your mind you think. Theoretically, people will think, or do think, nothing's going to happen because nothing happened the last, exactly. last time, the last five times. But in reality, it should be, absolutely be the other way around. You're just getting closer and closer. Like if you never get your reg set serviced, it should be closer and closer to it failing. So I don't know why we th- – it's weird that we think that, oh, it didn't happen last time. It's not going to happen this time.
0: Yeah, like equipment ma- or, or buddy checks. In um, I think you has got a lot of
1: fine. You look good. We're good. Let's go. Yeah,
0: that, that's the the prime example in my mind. Yeah. there are so many things that can be solved in an Prevented. equipment match and prevent it. Yeah, yeah, before you ever hit the water. Yeah, that the fact that, that those get skipped over because I'm an event is is a case in point to what you're saying. Is the the more and more we normalize the fact that we didn't do a buddy check last time. And no one died, therefore we don't need to do a buddy check this time because no one will die. Yeah. Right, it's kind of the the logical the logic behind it all is exactly what you're saying. You're hurtling closer and closer towards the sun, yeah. <laughs> like you're going to yeah. get burned. Like that's I was actually coaching one of my students, and we ran an Essentials of Tech course. Um, ben and I co taught that, and you know we were getting into the weeds with this particular student about um, waiting. And it's an easy place to get into the weeds because um you know you start to know when you when you go through some of the training that we're doing you actually know that when you're a pound or two light, it's crazy, but you you mm. know that and you actually learn like the exact weighting for your you know undergarments or your your wetsuit whatever you're diving, and the exact weighting we measure right what does your rig actually weigh underwater we we use a fish scale and measure it right yeah um and so she was kind of going down the rabbit hole of down to the pound. And I said, look, like, I get it. Um, that's a really good like, thing to think about. But it's also like chasing the, the white dragon or whatever the, whatever the phrase is, right? <laughs> is that like, look, conditions, you know, did you eat a big meal last night? You know, yeah. like you, you have a little more bioprene maybe today. Or, <laughs> you know, did you, you know, is it colder? Are you, did you change undergarments? Are you diving the same twin set or is it, you know, you, or, you switched to aluminums, right?
1: Back to the, back to the, the bomb topic. You haven't,
0: yeah, you haven't released any bombs uh, yet in, yeah. in a while. You haven't, you haven't your B 52 hasn't been out, <laughs> out of the, out of the hangar yet. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, so weighting's is going to be variable, you know. You, Salt water, EAN, whatever, yeah, and whatever thirty five, sure. whatever. Like, I mean, it, it changes, it shifts, and so, like, you want to be within a range. We know our lungs are about four pounds we can we can deal with on a shift with our lungs. So, we want to have a, a range. Now, if you dive in the same place a hundred dives every year, yeah, you should know you are waiting for that spot. But if yeah. I am on a boat, I am going to take the first dive and go like, ooh, I feel a couple pounds light. Let me throw a couple more pounds on, right? I want to be within that range i said but the things to obsess over are the things that there are no variables to an equipment check or or a buddy check there is no variable you either do it or you don't and that's something to obsess over and to be obsessive about right and doing it the same way over and over again so that it becomes something that that you are disciplined in doing gas planning we we can't change the amount of gas we have under the water. I mean, I guess we can if we've staged bottles and things, but but if we haven't done gas planning and we're not clear about is this a half usable, all usable, thirds usable situation and what rock bottom is, which in our in my language rock bottom is enough gas to 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 take two divers to the surface or to the next available gas source in a in a no gas available situation. That's something that that, that there is no variable to really, unless the dive plan gets completely screwed at some point for whatever reason. And then we're able to do that recalculation or water as a team. So those are things to obsess over is the things that, that are, um, I think that are relatable back to that risk homeostasis, which is to say not normalizing things that are super simple that we skip that turn out to be super risky.
1: Um, so what's next?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of, a a lot of topics in this one. This is a good, a good, uh, a good one. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, I'm, I'm super happy. So I I passed overhead protocols, which is really kind of a pass fail. It's not a certification, but it's a prereq class. So I'm cleared for the next step. And so after DEMA this year, um, which is in, I think I already mentioned is in new Orleans. we're going to go down to Florida, and uh, excited about hubbing out of uh, out of Cave Country there, and uh, we are going to do Cave One and Cave Two, which is uh, both if, of them. Yeah, if you look at UTD standards, uh, Cave One is really the only, I think it is the only course that has a time limit on it in terms of like if you're because certified time- Cave One, it expires. It's the only one that expires.
1: Oh, oh, not the course itself. Like, no, no, like it ex- it's an expiring
0: okay. certification, and the reason that Cave One is even in in the standards, from what I understand, is because it's it's taking into account if like a hurricane comes through and we can't finish full cave or something like that. At least you can get into the environment and practice. And so it's gotcha. it's a rare certification. So Cave Two is full cave, um, full navigation within the cave, um, no decompression, and obviously not a rebreather yet in the cave, um, but uh, that's cave two is full cave. And so the way that it's done is cave one and cave two are combined, or I forget how many days, five or six days in the environment. Um, and so that will what be is, November.
1: What is, what's the course with full cave and decompression?
0: Um, I have to look it up. I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I think that, um, cave two introduces um, I'd have to look it up. I think it introduces okay. either I don't think it introduces decompression um, but it introduces I think stages. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. I don't okay. know off the top of no, my head. I'm yeah, cave weird. two. So so that's one part of my, and so by the end of the year again, if a fall thing's um, go according to plan in terms of my performance and, you know, I, am not a whole lot of risk. I think in that part of the country for, for that time of the year, um, of not being able to finish because of the environment, then at the end of this year, um, I will have, I, I will have achieved my first scuba goal, um, which was to become a certified cave diver. Uh, and I'm pretty excited I, about that. A,
1: at least six months in advance.
0: At least six based, months in advance. Based
1: on your original plan, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then awesome I have man. one other. other. Oh, okay.
0: So the other other um, is there is a – and we'll see how this all plays out. But the other thing that I've been moving towards – so my first goal in, in diving was after I was in At cenote was, was to get CAVE certified and to be able to be in that environment. And as time has progressed in that, my ultimate goal has been to explore, that I wanna to get to a place where I can explore. And I've done some of that, um, but certainly not to the extent that I would like to. And the idea with exploration is that there are lots of tools available to you and you wanna be able to utilize the tool that is best suited for that job. So whether that be you know, single tank, you know, back mount, doubles, doubles and you know, stages, decompression diving, cave, whatever it would be, that that my skill set and my ability to use these tools wouldn't hamper the exploration. So whatever the exploration needs, I can utilize that tool. That's been kind of the the putting tools in my backpack view of of my training and 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 all that. So one of those tools that has become extremely relevant to me now that I'm in San Diego and have done some diving here has been, Hey, like there's some really interesting things that are deep here and gas um, and, and gas mixing now become limitations to being able to see what those things are or to explore those things down there or whatever. Not I'm not exploring like it's never been seen before, but exploring for myself. And so there are a lot of applications here that, a rebreather makes sense um, as the tool to use to go and make those types of dives. Is, um,
1: Sorry to interrupt the flow. Does, does Jack dive rebreather? He does. Uh, I okay. believe he's on that.
0: a... Oh, he told me. I, I don't want to misspeak for him, but I think he's oh, no, on a fine. KISS Sidewinder, if I believe. Okay. Um, or he's on a KISS rebreather and he's configured for backbound. I don't remember. But yeah, some of some of these other folks, which is yeah. that I've dove with, are also on rebreathers, whether Revo's or or other, and um and so one, I have people that I can dive with, and two, there are clear applications for that tool, um, here uh, that that would be super interesting to me. So exactly. anyway, I, in the long long story short, there is a a maybe um or a a likelihood, <laughs> we'll put it that way. Um, that that training could also take place uh early december um after cave we'll see if that's going to be the case and and there's sure. a lot of logistics to work out uh on that but um but i'm kind of settling in on and I'm sure we're gonna get a ton of comments on this, so feel free to leave me your opinion um i'm taking it all into account right now, but so far in my research and and things um you know i've really I've been drawn to the SF2, the Scuba Force SF2 rebreather back-mounted. Um, there's also a configuration to convert that into a side mount unit if needed. Um, and I just really love the simplicity of that unit and what it what it kind of looks like. And this is why I'm saying there's going to be a thousand comments of everyone well, has their opinion.
1: It. And I might edit this comment out. but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could wear the SF two shirt every episode.
0: Yes, yes, I, yes. That's I'll call them to get that. <laughs> um, yes, I'll wear that one or my yeah. uh, my uh, my light monkey shirt when I eventually get it. Oh yeah, someday. well that's yeah. But yeah, so that that's an, a awesome. possibility as awesome. well, which is. Again, all these things were not in my plans for 2023. Yet, I literally thought, and I still, you know, my ultimate plan is to get established here. Well, what's
1: shoot, man, then what's happening in 2024?
0: Dive, man. I, my, my, one of my applications for rebreather diving is I, I mentioned it on uh, the desert island dives, not the archaeology edition, but the other one, which is the the Big O, and um, oh, you know, the the swim oh. through in the hangar bay, so the me. Yeah. So. That's a, a perfect application for a rebreather because um, for many reasons, well, but that would be if you
1: one. don't take video, you will have to go back. Yeah, there you go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So. Oh, and and then the highlight, too. I forgot to mention the highlight from these last two weeks, um, which was super fun. During our essentials course that I was instructing uh, on the last day, we were doing some more dives together um, and we decided to go to La Jolla Cove. And um, right now, it's well. It's always the case that there are sea lions and seals there.
1: Oh yeah, I saw the video.
0: Yeah, but right now That's, there's a lot of uh, they're pupping as well, or the pups are out. Uh, and so we got to take uh, you know some some a lot of fun diving with the, the sea lions. Did, and...
1: did you uh, did you notice that? I mean, our our mama our moms protective of their pups or.
0: It's hard to read. Like I was asking, actually, um, uh, one of the buddies I made um, is a lifeguard. I, I think he's a lieutenant or some high up in a lifeguard about that and how to read their reactions. Because Cause
1: that one video came right at you, snapped, and then left. Yeah. So, so so
0: so some people read that when you see that video as they see the bubbles and they're blowing bubbles along with you. Oh. Uh. Other people, and the way I read that video was, "Hey, get the heck out of my space."
1: It looked like a false charge. I mean, it looked like a yeah, like, like a get out of here. False charge.
0: Yeah. yeah, like uh, that's how how I read it, um, and that's I fully didn't safer expect safer way. Uh, safer way to read it, but. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, we, it's a wild animal, so you know, you you yeah. you don't know, yeah. and we want. Oh, like, I
1: shouldn't go up to it and take a selfie right next to. something Yeah, that's and you a actually see pounds.
0: this. I mean, it's it's wild, Jeez. but. But, no, we were we were in a respectful, like, we didn't go chasing them. We, we let them kind of, when we saw them, let them have their space and try to capture. I have some other video I'll have to share, um, which is beautiful, of them in, in their own space playing and things. Sure, but then there, sure. there's lots of stories of, of the divers have here of, of the sea lions coming and pulling on their fins and you know, being yeah. playful in the sea. So, you know, you don't know, and it kind of comes back to the whole thing of, like Better safe than sorry, and so yeah. uh, with all marine life and all aquatic life, you know take pictures um don't put your hands on uh don't you know go chasing chasing something in its in its home environment um, that makes it feel threatened I, I tell my girls all the time you know if you if you leave something alone and give it space and it's gonna do the same to you and you know all that and um but yeah, that video that i that we got a bunch of them, but that one in particular that you're mentioning, I read that as like, don't yep. you're not welcome here. Yeah. But others saw it and said, oh, they're blowing bubbles um, because they see your bubbles, and these are experienced artists. So I don't know, but okay. I'll tell you what I didn't do was go and chase that sea sea lion um, <laughs> afterwards. Up with <laughs> oh, I know they must just be behind us, being like, look at this idiot! <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> they're so graceful yeah, no. in the water. So yeah. super highlight and. If uh, if you're out there and you're wanting to to dive with sea lions here in San Diego, I, I'm happy to jump in the water with you if you make that journey or you live here. Um, it's, it's an awesome experience. It really was because, I mean, they're sure. everywhere and sure. beautiful kelp forest uh, around yeah. that side of the cove and yeah. really nice diving. The visibility on that particular day was pretty good. We got in another day, um, you know, a few days later and visibility had just gone to uh, you know, bad. Um, so it depends on the day, but yeah.
1: Well, cool, man. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. And uh, I am going to ask that you share more pictures than you do.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, how about that? It's a good, uh, I was going
1: to ask you that while we're not recording, but on the recording, I'm going to say I need more pictures.
0: I know, I know. I'm, I'm trying. I really am. And I did actually <laughs> did post for myself. I did share a lot yeah. of posts on Instagram. Yeah. So for myself, that was a lot, but it, Definitely was Yeah, well, yeah
1: this is true. <laughs> Twice a year, I think, is what you do. It's about right Yeah, I need to get better at so,
0: it. So, hey, if you're a social media expert out there and you know a good <laughs> regiment to, to get me, to train me in that social media environment um, of how to be more disciplined, I would appreciate a shout out um, to me and kick in my rear to like, get yeah. that stuff done.
1: Uh, me too, actually. So, well, yeah. we can Zoom with that person. Yeah. Conference call. Exactly. Cool, man. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, I like how uh, 2024 is not not happening the way you planned it in a good way. Um, I hope hope the house is settling in. You're settling into the house. All of the above. Um, so yeah, glad uh, glad we got this down. Uh, for posterity.
0: That's right. Yeah, and I think maybe it would be fun to do. I think this was your idea to do. One when Cave One and Cave Two are oh yeah yeah this is a series we'll this into couple a couple mini series here It'd be fun
1: Jay's Yellow Brick Road or maybe the red one no one knows where the red one goes do you see that yeah yeah
0: that's There's true a, I don't just know. saying yeah no I just mean I, like I said I'm super blessed and and surprised that this was even an opportunity this year and I said I, I'm really thankful to um, my my good friend Kevin Wood as well because he's I took on the planning for OHP and all the things that happened here. Uh, This is my home home base. Um, but he's taken on all the planning for cave one and cave two in Florida. And so again, I kind of can ride his coattails on that. And so I, again, if I had to take on all the planning logistics for all that, I probably wouldn't be doing it just because it's, you know, one of those things this year. Um, but the fact that it just dovetails off of DEMA, I'm going to be a DEMA anyways. Um, you know it's not too far of a drive down to florida from there like all of it kind of works out and so i'm thankful to a lot of people who are handling some of the logistics for me to be able to to join in and then like i said if things go well and which i anticipate they will um i don't have any reason to think that they won't um then yeah then then by the end of this year i'll be full on cave certified which is which is a goal for sure but the bigger goal is to dive in the caves so then i'll be allowed to then dive in the caves and that's going to be uh, make for a fun 2024 and then if the rebreather thing comes through as well then there's something to work towards in in terms of being able to bring that unit into an overhead environment which is more training so it's not sure it's not like you get rebreather and then hey go dive some caves no that's rebreather one is same limits as rec one 100 feet you know open water no overhead and so there's training to do on that unit and hours to put on it to be able to bring in the oh, so kids. You
1: did you did
0: a hundred feet rec one.
1: You're not supposed to do a hundred.
0: Yeah, I would <laughs> dive dive five, I think it was like six. Hey, <laughs> what's down at a hundred feet or hundred I think That's it was a hundred and thirty was the and I, don't know I actually told that story uh the other nope, day. Nope. I won't tell it now, but I told the story where I was like hanging my my hand down to hit that one thirty.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh. I and, thought it was uh I thought it was the, the compass fail.
0: Oh no, gosh, that was a whole other situation. Yeah. But that wasn't deep. That was that was just Oh, it wasn't? Okay. No, we uh, were we were midwater at like sixty feet. Sixty feet, okay. Couldn't see anything and vertigo yeah. and all the other things kicked in. So but that's Fun a whole stuff. different story. No, yeah. the deep one was was well yeah, we'll have to tell another story. It's not to pick on you, but yeah, yeah I I remember the first time it was like, Hey, how deep can we go? And you're like yeah, I've been deep in a long time. Let's why not? And yeah, in my mind cool. I'm going, oh well, I'm I'm with a dive master. Like yeah. you know, I'm I'm fully safe. And we did, and then there was like I think there was another buddy separation. And I remember hanging my yeah, Not for down. me though. No, no, not, not for We me. lost not for some me that other time. guy. Yeah. Who, no, who because... ended up we lose we lost him a lot, not because we lost him, because he would just peel off and do his own thing and then Oh yeah, I, I I remember his name now, but I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. But there was a guy. No, that's
1: fine. You told me afterwards.
0: Yeah, there was a guy.
1: Vaguely. Anyway, long story short, yeah,
0: I remember, <laughs> like getting down to 130 feet on air, yeah. Yeah. and hanging my watch down to get it as deep as possible, just to like yeah. show it on my you know my computer, yeah. and just you know no narked out, but just kind of. Okay, that was fun for, for five minutes. And now, no, I mean, there was enough gas. I, mean, I remember
1: a, a line. There was a line there. Wasn't the line go all the way down?
0: Yeah, there was a buoy that aligned. That yeah, yeah. Well, a line went down to another line that went down to another line yeah, that took us right. all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, anyway.
1: All right, man. Well, great catching up. I love you on the podcast. I can't wait for the next episode.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And looking ahead, um, so, so we have the final episode with Greg coming up. Which uh, I think uh, is going to be great. And then we've got three with Kevin Wood. So he'll come onto the show, which is exciting. And we'll yep. learn a little bit about some of the similarities, maybe, between B 52 training, His boring day job, and, yep. uh, and scuba. And mm-hmm. we have a ton of stories because we've dove a ton together and been in yep. a lot of these trainings together. So it'll be fun, hopefully, fun episodes. And then Ben Boss will actually be back on the show as well um, at some point. We're going to talk about designing trainings for adults, which is going to be interesting, and amongst other and things. And
1: then so. after that?
0: We don't know. Who knows? We got, we got, we got big questions. Well, we know we have a couple more of this series of CAVE. And, yeah. uh, and then we don't know what's going to happen because we, we haven't we invited know. any other guest co-hosts. I think,
1: I think we know what we want to happen.
0: Yes. But we're not ready to talk about that. No, yet. we are not yeah so it's been it's been a weird season two I can't wait to do a season two recap um and mm. and just you know talk about how this season has been a very challenging and very rewarding yeah. season at the same time
1: sure but uh a lot but of yeah. practice. It's a practice it every is. episode is a training episode <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: not the situation you want to be in as a podcast, but i think I think that actually like is true, has been true this this season, which has been great. I mean, we've, what's cool about this season, I think so far has been, um, there's been so many different voices and yeah, you, you hear the passion from all of these folks in different areas. And I know for myself, I've learned a lot and, um, not only about diving and about those interests, but about divers and, and those, how those paths, uh, how they gone down their path and things. And so that's been a really cool thing. And it was it actually, it's crazy. I didn't tell you the story, but, uh, we were at a, a dive shop getting gas fills and, um, the guy behind the counter was just chatting with him and so, well, what's your story? Like, what, what are you working on? He's like, Oh, you know, my ultimate goal is, um, is to be an underwater archaeologist. I kid you not. Those are the words that came out of his mouth, and I probably looked like such a fool because I was like, "No bleep, <laughs> you're <kidding. laughs> in the middle stop shot. You're kidding me!" Like I'm like yelling at this poor dude. He's you know just He's graduated, like, got his master. He's like, "Why is this guy yelling?" And I was so excited because I'm like, "Oh, we we just finished these two episodes with you got to meet this guy, Greg." And blah blah blah. I'll introduce you guys and and we start talking about the stories and and all that. And so. um I'm I'm bummed I haven't heard from. Him. So if you're listening to this episode, dude from Ocean Enterprises. I forgot your name already. Why haven't you reached out? Number one and number two. I know where you work, so I'm gonna come and say hi to you. <laughs> um, but I want to introduce him and Greg, and hopefully he's listened to some of the episodes. I love Greg's,
1: uh, Greg's definition of underwater archaeology. Yeah. Do you remember from the episode? Yeah, it's like it, well, basically everything you do in archaeology underwater. Yeah. Yeah. It, it caught you off guard for a second. It was it was a funny moment. I think I think it's clipped. I think I clipped it up. <laughs> yeah. So hey, um I got to run. I've got a Yeah, it's 3 the, a, this is a long episode. episode. So, uh can you uh take us out?
0: Yeah, let's 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 wrap this baby up. So, again, out there in the Scubaverse Thanks for for joining us. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> this was interesting to you. Um but but a good idea from producer Daniel here. And uh if you would like to connect with us, please do. You can go to thedivetable.com dot com and send us a message. We love hearing from you and love hearing your thoughts. Uh especially I'm imagining I'm gonna get a thousand re emails mm-hmm. now about and virus virus comments. And virus too. comments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did not say I was an anti vaxxer or for nope. vaccines. I just explained the science. But yeah. I'm sure I'm emails. <laughs> Uh, but reach out to us, um, the, the dive com. Also, if you are interested in learning more about the training that I've been on or the training that I provide as an instructor, uh, you can go to gardnerunderwater.com. It's gardnerunderwater.com and reach out to me there uh, or wherever. Uh, I'd love to talk about that stuff. And as always, we are a production of Fish Dive Surf, Inc. And so if you want to learn more about waterway conservation and the connection between fishing, diving, and surfing, go to fishdivesurfinc.com and you can reach out to Dan. That's
1: just fishdivesurf. Oh, sorry. Fishdivesurf.com.
0: Um, the ink is is implied. It's silent. The ink is permanent. <laughs> the, the ink is 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 pronounced... With nothing. Just yeah. fishdivesurf.com. Yes, fishdivesurf.com. So uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your journey is looking like. You know, what surprised you? I have a ton of surprises this year. Uh, and I'm sure we'll hear Here's some, some lots stories. Of and maybe, maybe yeah. we should you know, just read some of these on air. We'll get some and read them on air. That'd be fun. Good so. idea. Yeah. So thanks for joining us for this episode. And we hope you come back for the next episode of The Dive Table. No, I like my, my mouse is not working.